quitting about well, sometime or another this evening. Amen. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just hang out for just a little while. That'd be okay. Not in a rush. This will be my last time to preach on this trip. It's a lot of miles up here and a lot of time. And uh, this is an opportunity to speak to you something that's on my heart. And I appreciate Bridger's Sunday school lesson about the prodigal and how uh, he come out of the world back to the Father. And we left him with a ring on his finger and a robe on his back, rejoicing a roast in the oven, back in fellowship with the Father. And there may be somebody here today that is a prodigal son. Whether you're a lost prodigal or whether you're a saved person that's got out in the world and needs to get back. I pray this 25th anniversary service would be a memorial service for you that you could say, hey, God's given me a new beginning. And every day of life, we ought to look at it as the Lord giving us an extension of our existence on this earth. At any moment, He could take any of us out. Your day from this day forward is an extension of God's mercy and God's grace. We need to literally ask ourselves the question, what am I doing with this gift of life that God has given me? Let's stand this morning. We're going to reverence God's Word together. Verse 14 says of Romans 1, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Craig also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Lord, we glorify your name, give you all the honor, give you all the praise. You said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, we see evidence of that at New Hope Baptist Church, these 25 years and then that which is remaining. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this congregation, bless Brother Roy, the labors, and Lord, the furtherance of this ministry in days to come. Lord, I pray that you would help the focus of the people of this congregation to be on the Lord Jesus Christ, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, let us run this race with joy and with patience. At the end of the way, let us know that God, we have fought a good fight and finished the course, looking forward to that which you've laid up for us. Touch hearts this morning. Glorify your Son in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I started on Thursday night a message on the creed of the Apostle Paul. He is addressing the Romans, which was the center of the then-known government of the world, he was going to the very top of what the world would look at. But he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. And in the introduction of this book of Romans, he gives his creed, what he lives by, what is in his heart, what he wants to accomplish, what God has done for him. And looking at this creed, we saw in verse 14, the debt and the responsibility. He said, I am debtor 
both of the Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. And the apostle says that I feel like it's my responsibility to reach people of all classes, of all categories, and of all kinds because of what God has done for me, then I have a responsibility of sharing that with others so he can do that with other people. I was preaching in Florida. had a 12-year-old young lady saved, going to Russia in two weeks from that meeting. The next night, she came back to the meeting. She had a brown paper bag in her hand. I said, what is this? It was heavy. I looked at it, and it was pennies and chains. She said, well, I got saved last night, and I robbed my piggy bank today, and I'm bringing you this money so you can buy Bibles to take it to Russia to give to somebody so they can know what I experienced last night. In that trip, God let me run into a fella that was in the Republic of Georgia that had a whole bunch of Bible stockpiled back. I got them for 50 cents apiece. They had 50 pages of helps and maps and uh, good printed Word of God, and God multiplied that little girl's gift. I told those people in Russia that, and they just cried like a baby. I said, you think it's some big company or corporation? I said, it's people that have gotten saved that want you to know what they know. And that's what we're all about. If you're really saved by the grace of God, our focus ought to be on, hey, I want them to know what I know because it's such a precious gift. Now, in verse number 15, he talks about a deep readiness that he had in his creed. He said, so, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So, as much as in me is. I'm glad that there is some in me is. Sister Arlene is ready to bail out and quit, but Brother Richard said, no, I've got some in me is. There's something God's put in me that I can't quail, I can't stop. It's out of necessity. Paul said, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. And what this congregation needs is what every congregation needs. It needs that divine in me is, that is that zeal to get the gospel out. God did not ordain this church to sit here and be a social club, nor to be a bank. God ordained this church to be the center of the gospel for this community, for this state, for this nation, and yea, around the world. And He wants your tentacles reaching out and carrying the gospel, but that will only happen if we have that right inward work of God. Israel was gathered on the hillside for 40 days. They were shaking in their boots. The Philistines on the other side, Goliath in the middle of the battle, give me a man to fight. The man that whips me will serve you, but if I whip him, kill him, then you serve us. Nobody would fight. But little David come rolling up on the battlefield, and he heard that blasphemy of Goliath. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In me is swelled up in David's heart. Saul tried to dress him up in his garment, make him one of the usable, unusable servants and soldiers. David put it on, and then he looked at himself and said, No, I've not proven this armor. I've got to have what God gave me. And he shucked off what Saul, which is a picture of the flesh and a picture of just worldly normal Laodicean religion, he shucked it all off. And he took his little sling 
and his staff and his little pouch in his side, and he said, God that gave me the bear and the lion is the God that will give me that Philistine. And he walked down in the valley, and he said, You come to me with your sword and your spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And Goliath laughed at him. And he said, am I a dog that you'd send staves? You're going to whip me with a little hickory like a little kid? But David wound that sling up and that rock came out and it's like a heat-seeking missile went between that giant's eyes, bounced around on the inside, put knots all over his helmet. He fell flat on his face saying, nothing ever entered my mind like this before. And whammy went. David chops his head off, shakes his mug at that Israel, and they come pouring off the hillside, and victory was won because one young man, one young fella said, I'm not going to just sit in the ranks. I've got some in me ears or something boiling in my soul that wants to go above and beyond just being a normal soldier or a normal churchman. Three Hebrew children, Daniel in the den of lions. Now here is Paul that in me is. We were out on the ocean yesterday, and while I was out there and I watched that tossing sea, I thought about the apostle Paul who said, as much as in me is, I'm ready. The devil said, I'll knock it out of you. And the Lord said, no, I put it too deep in him to knock it out of him. And when he had to revert to some of his sufferings in 2 Corinthians 11, here's some things he said. He said, in more labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. If he took his shirt off, it looked like a Bengal tiger ripped him to shred scars everywhere. Beaten thrice with the rods. They took a hard rod, broke his ribs and his bones up. Stone, thrice suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. And I thought about as that ocean was flowing and rolling. And boy, my brethren were puking, amen. I, I thought, what would it be to spend the whole night in this ocean and the whole day bobbing around sharks and jellyfish and and no way to get out. I'll stop you, Paul. But Paul crawled out on that seashore with salty brime on what clothes he had. And he says, where's the next barbarian I can tell about Jesus? In journeyings oft, in perils of water, in perils of robber, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, watching oft in hunger and thirst and fastings, oft in cold and nakedness, beside those things which come upon me daily, the care of all the churches. And yet, we little ex let a little excuse knock us out of the house of God. We let a little prosperity. Poverty has slain its thousands, but riches has slain its tens of thousands. A priest in Australia went down to an aboriginal village and stood at the uh, little old store. They had an awning over it. It was 105 degrees, and I mean it was hot. I wasn't about to get out and knock on doors there. It was just too hot. But they all came, got them ice cream, gave out tracts. About 30 Australians came through. Not a one of them would take a track. Hey, mate, be all right. She'd be right. Don't need it, mate. Don't keep it yourself, mate. But the, the aboriginals came, and 
They're real poor people. Every one of them take a track. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I asked Brother Phil's brother, Brother Luke, that I was preaching for. I said, what's the deal about these Australians? He said, they don't think they need it. They're prosperous. We got social medicine. We got whatever we need. And they just feel like they don't need it. And I'm afraid that's where America's at. But we may be fixing to have the rug jerked out from under us with all this inflation and all the rest of this that's coming this way. And so you better draw an eye to God and be ready when it all hits the fan. But you see, the apostle didn't let any of these things be said. None of these things move me. Neither can I my life, dear. Why? Because he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. My mom and dad has passed in recent years. And I've looked at it and I've said, you know, everything they worked for is left behind. They didn't take any of it with it. It's over with. And whatever you work for, whatever you've done, whatever you've established, when you breathe your last breath, it's left behind. And you're going to go to eternity to the Lord. And the only thing that's going to last is what you have invested in His kingdom and what you've done for His glory. You might leave it to a fool. You might leave it to a rich man. But that's not your call because it's like the fellow that died. And he said, honey, when I die, bury all my money with me. She said, okay, darling, I will. And so right before they closed the casket, she wrote a check and put it in the casket. <laughs> He didn't get around to cashing it, amen. Uh, you're going to leave it all behind except what you've done for him. So why let the world eat you up, eat your time, eat your opportunity up as much as in me is? He said, I am ready to preach the gospel. Then he said, here's my creed. I believe in the dynamic reign of the gospel. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The title is the gospel of Christ. Christ, the anointed Messiah. John Gill wrote a book on the Messiah and the prophecies of the Old Testament. And there are literally hundreds of different avenues and things that the Messiah had to fulfill Jesus fits the bill from the genealogies to the location to the time. All those prophets. We're not having a shot in the dark. This is not a little religious spasm where we say, well, maybe he might be right. No, there's not enough zeros in the number system to calculate the odds of Jesus fulfilling all that he fulfilled. And when the apostle would go into the synagogue, he'd take the Old Testament and he'd say, you read this for hundreds of years, right? You know these scriptures. Now, here's what they mean. Wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt off. The virgin shall conceive and bring forth the son. He shall call his son out of Egypt. He'll be called a Nazarene. Boom, 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 boom. Prophecy, scripture after scripture after scripture, layer after layer after layer after layer until he convinced those thinking Jews, not the reprobate Jews, but the thinking Jews, hey, I've missed this all these years, the gospel of Christ. And he said, I want to tell you something about this gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. All you had to do was look at Apostle Paul and realize the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Here's a man fighting Christ with both fists balled up. He's injurious. He's a blasphemer. 
He's dragging women by the hair of the head down to the tribunal. He's beating the men. He's compelling them to blaspheme. He's saying, Stephen, we don't like what you said about Messiah. Pick your stones up. And they beat the life out of him. And he said, I will stomp this out. And he had everybody run into a corner around Jerusalem. So he got a permission slip from the priest to go 160 miles all the way up to Damascus to get rid of Ananias and his little bunch that was causing such a fuss. But the Bible tells us as he's approaching Damascus, something happened. A light shined round about him. And Paul said three times, it's brighter than the noonday sun. It wasn't natural light. It wasn't artificial light. It was God's divine light. And there he met Jesus. And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And in that flash of a moment of time, when that light of God shined on his heart, he realized what a sinner he was, that he had been wrong, that he had been a murderer. And he called on the name of the Lord, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And in that split second, that moment, he got saved by the grace of God and his life was totally transformed. And the Bible says about those that get saved, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined the light of the glorious gospel into our hearts. I was raised around church. I never did have a time in my mind. I didn't believe in the gospel and all of that. I was a young teenager. I lived just like everybody else did. I had no desire for the Bible, no desire to pray. I came to church because I had to, not because I wanted to, and it's all void to me. But that night, under that gospel tent, as that man of God was preaching, something happened. And that something was the light of the glorious gospel shined into my heart. God showed me what a sinner I was. And for the first time in my life, I realized that Jesus would be my Savior. I called on His blessed name, and the Lord did something for me that I've never got over. And for 45 years, I've been running all over this world shouting, Jesus saved, Jesus saved, saying, hey, if God can save somebody like me, He can save you. Paul said, I'm chief of sinners, and if God saved the chief, he can save the rest of the tribe. Amen. I said, well, I'm too bad to get saved. You're worse than bad. You're worse than you can imagine you are. You're in terrible shape. I mean, you're, you're completely eat up of your sins. There's no hope in you. There's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, it's the power of God under salvation. I'm going to tell you, that gospel power has reached this island and has reached many of you, and it can reach some of you this morning. You can have a transformed life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Repentance is a gift of God. People say, well, you preach repentance, you know. Uh, they'll call y'all kind of labels and everything else. But the Bible First message Jesus preached was except you repent. And then the last message he preached was in Luke that repentance and remission of sins be preached in his name among all nations. And repentance means an about face, a total turnaround. Now Isaiah said the Ethiopian can't change the color of his skin and the leper can't remove his spots. You can't do it yourself. But peradventure God grant them repentance. And if you call upon the name of the Lord, 
and he saves you by the grace of God, he'll put something on the inside. That new van's wonderful. Get out there and take off in it, preacher. You'll have to get out and push it. That's awful. But, oh, if you get a little juice on it and the starter and you crank that engine, then you just put your foot on that little pet, and that engine pulls that van. Some of you have tried and are trying to do it all by yourself. It's just like pushing your automobile. It don't go very far. It may go a little ways, but it don't go far. But if Jesus ever comes on the inside, there will be a power of God. There will be not only a dynamite that blows the roots of sin out, there will be a dynamo that continually pours that power on the inside. What keeps you going? What keeps you faithful? There's somebody that in me is, is on the inside. Maybe we just need a revival of that. Then I want you to look at the fact, he said, that gospel is good to everyone that believeth. Now the key to that is the believeth part. Paul was a Jew, but he said it's good for the Gentile too. And I'm glad no matter in this world, wherever it's at, the gospel will work. I've got to travel all over the world, and this church has supported and helped our ministry. I just booked tickets this morning to Australia to go and preach there uh, 13th through the 27th of October, and I'm looking forward to that, but I've seen souls saved in Australia. We watched Jews get saved in Paris, France, had Muslims get saved in Kuwait, I mean, in full-dressed Nicodemus-looking garments. And my carnal friend that started the church said, that's the second one I've ever seen get saved. But the gospel got him. Praise God. I've seen Hindus saved. I've seen my friend uh, African saved, preaching one Sunday evening in Kenya, Africa. Me and Brother Joseph, and uh, uh, we're standing on the street, and people are walking by, and this Maasai comes and sticks his sword uh, or spear up in the ground, puts his leg up like that. That's the ones that kill the lions. I preached after I finished here. He came straight to us, spear and all. I thought, oh, boy, what's this about? In a few minutes, he's on his knees getting saved. Brother Joseph came to the States 15 years later. And he said, Randy, you remember me and you preaching in Kenya on the street and that Maasai coming and getting saved? I said, yeah. He said, his name's John, and he's a faithful deacon in the church till this day. I said, glory to God. And no matter where you go, that gospel, keep pumping the gospel, pumping the gospel. It's not you, it's not me, it's not our philosophy, it's not our word. That's why I said preach the word, not preach about preaching the word, but preach the word and it'll work in lives. He said it's the power of God to everyone that believes. Now, if you don't believe, you see there's the whosoever wills and there's the whosoever wants. And the Bible tells us that whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life is going to be cast into the lake of fire forever and forever and forever. The blood of Jesus will not wash away one of your sins unless you trust Christ as your Lord and your Savior. It's like Egypt in the Passover. The blood had to be applied to the lintel and the doorpost, and you enter in behind the blood. They're safe. If you were not, then you face the full fury of the wrath of God. John 3, 16, some folks say, well, you know, Christ died, everybody's going to heaven. No. Have you forgot that word believeth? That's the hinge word. You've got to believe him. You've got to trust him or else you will perish. You'll never taste eternal life. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this gospel of Christ. It's the power of God under salvation. Everyone that believeth. 
young and old, rich and poor, wise and unwise. But you've got to believe Him. You've got to trust Him. You've got to rest in Him. And then I think about how He says in the gospel is revealed the righteousness of God. God cannot save you because He loves you. Oh, I love you, so let's, let's just forget about it all. You know, we won't worry about it. No, He's too holy a God. He's done said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. If you got one sin to your account, you're going to face the full fury of the wrath of the judgment of God. One sin. That's all it takes. And yet, we've got multitudes of sin. I like, we are sinners. We've got a factory of sin in us. Totally failing before Almighty God. So how can God save you? How can He be just and say, hey, come on into my heaven? The only way He can be just is by one means. That is, Jesus bled and died and paid the penalty upon the cross of Calvary. And if you bypass Jesus, you bypass eternal life. Well, I've given money. I've been a good person. I've come to church. I've done this or that. That is not salvation. I asked a young man the other day, is he saved? Yeah, I said, how'd you get saved? Well, I've been trying to do good. I said, yeah, wrong answer. Lord, Lord, have we not done many mighty works in your name? We've been religious. We've cast out devils. Depart, you cursed, into everlasting fire. I never knew you. They came on the done list. I was preaching uh, up in Canada and went out on uh, the island there where the lady stayed in the manse that wrote, Anne of Green Gables, we came around the corner, and uh, my daughter-in-law that was with me and my son, she said, oh, that's where so-and-so wrote that book at. So we stopped this historical site. I got out, and there was a lady standing there, and there's three ladies on the other side, and there's this old church building. And I asked the lady standing there, I said, is this a working church today? She said, oh, yes, and I'm the pastor. I said, Okay. Uh, I said, how does a person get to heaven? She said, by doing what I did today. I said, what would you do today? She said, you see those three ladies? I helped them plant flowers, and I've been a good neighbor today. I said, but ma'am, I broke every commandment that God ever made. What do I do about that? She said, well, just do better and get started. You'll be all right. And boy, by that time, my blood pressure had come out the top of my head, and I said, ma'am, Jesus Christ must have been the biggest fool that ever walked the face of the planet. She said, why do you say that? I said, you remember in the Bible, he, they came after him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they said, is this Jesus? He said, I am. He, and they all fell backwards to the ground and they couldn't take him by force. He didn't have to go into their hands and yet he submitted himself. He was beaten, whipped and crucified and died a death like no human being has ever died upon the cross. And if all I got to do is plant a few flowers and be a good neighbor and help somebody get saved, then Christ died in vain. I said, the trouble is, he didn't die in vain because you can't save yourself and I can't save myself. And I told her, I said, ma'am, if you get in God's choir in heaven, you're going to have to learn the song. What song's that? Out of every kindred and tribe, thou hast redeemed us by thy blood. And if you're not trusting in the redeeming blood of Jesus, you're not getting in heaven's choir, and you're not going to heaven. And Paul said, in this gospel is how God can make you righteous. Two transactions help happen when you get saved. I bowed my knee to the Lord and called on Him. My sins were washed away. 
by the precious blood. They were removed. They were remitted. They were, I was forgiven. But then the righteousness of Jesus was put in my account. Romans 3 and 4 talks about the imputed righteousness of Christ. He put in my account a righteousness that I don't have. And when God sees me now, since I'm in Christ Jesus, He sees me saved, redeemed, and righteous in His Son. Noah was in the ark. He went through the same wrath and judgment that the whole world did. But he survived and he came out alive. Why? Because that ark took the whipping. It took the waves. It took the beating. It took the same wrath that killed everybody else. But the ark took it all. And he was in the ark. And because the ark paid the penalty, Noah came out alive. The Bible says, I think 80 sometimes, in Christ, in Christ, I'm in Christ Jesus. He paid the penalty. He paid the price. That's why we worship Him. That's why we honor Him. It's not me. It's not you. It's all about Jesus. And Paul said, it's this grace of God, this precious redemption in Christ Jesus that delivers us from the wrath of God revealed from heaven. If you're not grounded in your faith, I beseech you to read Romans chapter number 3 over and over, get you a good Bible dictionary, and study every one of those words. The Lord tells us what a mess we are. In verse 10, there's none righteous, no, not one. That excludes us all. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. We're all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. That leaves us in a dilemma, don't it? And then he says in verse 20, to repair that breach by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. Your flesh or my flesh, by keeping some law, you can't justify yourself. But in Romans 3.21, he said, but now, the righteousness of God without the law's manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Is salvation to you some warm, fuzzy feeling? Or is it justification by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? So precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount can I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The invitation is twofold this morning. If you are not saved, why don't you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior today? God the Holy Ghost is drawing and dealing with you. No man can come except the Father which sent me drawing. And you don't have to ask the deacon, a trustee, a preacher, anybody else if God's dealing with you. God's speaking to your heart. You know. And that means it's time. Today's the day of salvation. And now's the accepted time. You're not promised one breath or one tomorrow. And that's why God said today's the day. Second thing is, child of God, don't you think it's time that you dedicate yourself afresh and anew to Him? 
If Paul could go through all that he did, he had that deep working of God that in me is. Do you need a revival of that? Be not drunk on wine. Be not drunk on this world. But be filled with the Spirit. And that fullness of God gives us a driving force to say, Yea, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I want you to bow your heads and hearts, please, before the Lord. Sister's coming on the piano. so much more that could be preached and could be said, but I believe it's time for the crossroads. Anybody here this morning say, Preacher, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved. I'm not guessing. I'm not hoping. I've trusted Christ. His blood's washed away my sins. He lives in my heart. I know that I know that I know I'm saved. Would you give God a little wave offering this morning? Raise your hand toward heaven and thank Him for saving you. Would you do that? If you know that you're saved, slip that hand up. Slip it up high. Give God a wave offering. All right, you can put it down. As believers, let me ask you an honest question. Do you know God's dealing with you about a closer walk with Him? Do you know that there's missing note in your heart? Boy, that old devil can creep in, sin can creep in. Preacher, I know I'm saved, but I want you to pray for me. I'm just not where I ought to be with the Lord. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to come to you. We're going to pray for you. Raise that hand right up and down. Anybody, anywhere, all over. Several hands. God bless you for being honest. I know I'm saved, but I'm not where I ought to be with the Lord. I know that. I want to admit that this morning. I want God's help. Raise that hand up and down. Anybody else, anywhere, all over. All right. The one here this morning, preacher, I'm not saved. I don't know the Lord, but God spoke to my heart. Please pray for me. Have this congregation. I don't want to die and go to hell. I want to know the Lord. And uh, the devil's telling me just to sit here and be quiet, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not saved, preacher. Slip that hand right up and down for prayer. Anybody, anywhere over this congregation, preacher, God bless you, young lady. Thank you. Is there another preacher? I'm not saved. Pray for me right up and down. Anybody else, anywhere? All right, I know there's people that couldn't raise your hand a moment ago that you know you're saved. So I'm asking you, God's dealt with your heart. Don't put it off. The Lord's dealing with you. You can get saved right there in your seat. You can get saved at home, the automobile, or you can get saved right up here in an altar. Preacher's ready to counsel with you. I am too. We'll pray with you. But I can't save you. God can save you. Child of God, I beg you. Turn that seat right there into an altar right now and ask the Lord to help us to draw nigh to Him and ask Him to help us to grow closer. Boy, we want that creed of Paul to be our creed. As much as in me as I'm ready, are you ready? Will you go out of here ready or will you go out of here defeated? There's something God wants you to do. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, God, for this waiting, patient congregation. Thank you, God, for 25 years of the light of the gospel shining out on this island. We ask you for this quarter of a century of light to, Lord, funnel in on some heart this morning. May somebody get under such deep conviction that they'd wrestle with his thing. God, you'd deal with them. And may they be saved by the grace of God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for your people that you might revive us again. 
Lord, there's burdens in this congregation. There's things going on. I have no idea. But, Lord, you know. And I pray, God, that you'd help us as we seek you this morning to look to you and ask you for your divine help and grace. We need revival here on this island. We need it in America. Lord, we know you can spark a revival that's spread across this country right here in this place. You did it on the Isle of Lewis years ago. There in Scotland. God, it literally spread around the world on a little old island. God, you can do it here. Lord, stir up the heart of this people in reality and in power. Bless and strengthen now. We commend this to you. Do thy work. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray.